Hello, you're listening to a preview of a premium episode of Blockton Reported. If you want to hear the whole thing, go to blockton.reported.org, where for just $5 a month and up, you get three extra episodes like this one each and every month. Thank you. Enjoy the preview. Jesse, today we're going to be revisiting The Bad Art Friend. Anybody remember that? Uh, so, and then before we get to that, uh, we have an appetizer that is a labor story. This one is out of Chicago. And yes, it does have to do with a gay bar, of course. The bar is called Berlin, and it was established all the way back in 1983. Great year. Dan Savage used to go there back, way back when he's from Chicago, and he was actually there during opening weekend. Huh. I asked him what it was like, and he said, quote, the young hip crowd went there. And back then, back when it opened, the young hip crowd was mostly gay men. No, of course, gay men aren't hip, even if some are still young. It was always really welcoming of everyone. There were gay bars you couldn't really bring your girlfriends to. You could bring them to Berlin. And there was always a mix, even if it was mostly gay men on a lot of nights. Uh, Dan, so Dan said that Berlin always attracted a younger crowd, so it wasn't the sort of place where he would go back and visit after he left. He sort of aged out. I also asked him, well, I assumed, uh, that Berlin was sleazy, like the kind of places glory holes and guys getting railed in the bathroom. And Dan said, nope, Berlin wasn't sleazy. It was sleek. Recess lighting, video monitors. You went to Berlin to dance and drink simple bar cocktails. You started your night at Berlin. If you didn't meet anyone, you might end up at a bar with glory holes and guys getting railed in the bathroom. But Berlin wasn't that bar. It was too well lit. (laughs) Always a major downside. It sounds kind of nice. So Berlin was founded during the AIDS crisis. The founders were two friends named Shirley Mooney and Tim Sullivan. But when Sullivan died of AIDS in 1984, it was bought by a couple. Uh, their names are Jim Schumann and Joe Webster, and they've owned it ever since. They're old now. Uh, they live in Michigan, and t- Jim has stage four cancer, and Joe is his caretaker. And the neighborhood has changed around them as well. Uh, so it's on the city's north side. It's kind of, I guess, between like Wrigley Field and Boys Town, which is the gay district in Chicago. I've always thought that was too subtle, Boys Town. They should call it Buttfuckville. <laughs> in Philly, the, the gayberhood is called the gayberhood. gayberhood. There are apparently few surviving small businesses left in the area. So in April of this year, Berlin's employees unionized with United Here Local One. This is a Chicago-based union that says it represents over 15,000 hospitality workers in Illinois and northern Indiana. And the union very quickly started making demands of Berlin. I guess that makes sense that they would make demands, but but what were the particular demands? So we'll get into the specifics later, but basically better pay, better equipment, and more training, specifically on security issues. Uh I, you know, I think there's this sometimes pervasive sense that queer people in danger are in danger, especially at gay spaces, especially after things like the shooting in Colorado Springs, as well as Pulse nightclub, which wasn't actually a homophobic attack, but lots of people understandably assume that it was. And they wanted to feel safe. And so they wanted at least one person on every shift to have violence training. What is, what is violence training? I don't know. I'm get, like security training training for what if someone gets violent they've played at least 100 hours of call of duty yeah yeah i mean some of their demands seem perfectly reasonable to me like one union organizer told block club chicago that the vestibule where security stood stands to check ids had holes in it which is obviously a problem in the winter in chicago wokeness has gone too far (laughs) right so the vote to unionize was in the spring and really quickly afterwards, they got a bunch of press in the local Chicago media and elsewhere. None of the stories that I read really got into the weeds about precisely what the union was demanding. They just said better wages, training, safety, etc. And the union posted various memes and information about this on social media. And one of the things that they said was that many Berlin workers only made minimum wage, which in Chicago is 9.48 an hour for tipped workers and 15.80 an hour for untipped workers. 
and that many of them didn't have health insurance. So a lot of the media coverage of this unionization focused on that. It was broadly pro-union, as you might expect. Like The Nation published a piece about this called Chicago's Labor Movement is Looking Very Queer These Days. Subhead, queer people across the Windy City are unionizing and demanding better rights at work. That piece included this, uh, what would turn out to be a prescient sentence. Jolene Saint, who is currently a bartender at Berlin, though she says she had basically had every job you can have at the club, and a member of the union's bargaining committee, says that an overwhelming feeling of financial precarity has pervaded the nightclub for years. Quote, the entire time I've worked at Berlin, there's always been this sense that Berlin is going to close in the relatively near future, she says. Yeah. I mean, the, the like restaurant and the hospitality industry is in shambles. Yeah. Or it's just like a very low, I think even very successful bars run at a pretty low margin is my understanding. I mean, I'm sure things after COVID and, and, and wage increases and stuff like that, I'm sure the industry isn't doing great now, but this isn't particularly a new thing. It is incredibly difficult for a restaurant to stay open past their first year. Yeah. Also, I shouldn't have said hospitality industry. That's like hotels. You know what I mean? Everyone knew what I meant. Okay, so they unionize, they set their demands, and they start negotiating. But from the very beginning, the owners just, it seemed like they weren't just very involved or communicative, at least according to the union organizers. They mostly relied on lawyers and management to handle this, which probably didn't endear them to the staff. But then again, one of them was dying. So, you know, they're they're busy. So they're, sorry, they're in Michigan. This is a Chicago bar, and one of them is yeah. dying. But the union keeps advocating. Okay. So in June, they held a union supporter pop-up at the bar, which as far as I can tell is another word for a dance party. And they seem to have a lot of support among Chicago's queer population. Uh, in August, amidst all negotiations, the union authorized a strike and workers did go on strike. Drag queens and others joined them on the picket line. That also didn't work. Negotiations were stalled. And so the union called on customers to boycott Berlin until they got a fair contract and for performers to cancel their shows. Okay, so that must have constituted a lot of pressure on like uh, performers and stuff. I would not want to be the drag queen who decides to cross that picket line, to sashay over that picket line. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was at the end of October. And then not long after, the owners, Joe and Jim, posted an open letter on their website, and they added some specifics about the union demands that most of the media coverage lacked. Quote, Wait, can I make a prediction before you do this? Sure. All the union's demands will have been completely reasonable, and there will be nothing weird in what you're about to read me. Okay, I'm on the record with that. Go ahead. Quote, we are proud of our employees, some of whom have loyally worked with us literally for decades. Berlin is not, and for 40 years has never been, a true full-time employer. None of Berlin's union employees work more than 27 hours per week. Berlin is only open 25 hours per week. More than half of our employees only work 14 hours per week. Berlin's part-time employees earn a combination of a base hourly wage plus tips. Our co-check employees post-pandemic typically earn an average of $35 an hour. Our barback employees typically earn $47 an hour, while our bartenders typically earn $57 an hour. Our most recently hired security employees earn an average of $22.50 an hour, which is above the Chicago average. We always want our employees to be paid well. Our employees work hard and deserve to be paid fairly and competitively, and we believe they are, especially when compared to typical Chicago bars and nightclubs. Assuming that's all true, that would not have been difficult information for um, enterprising journalists to obtain in their initial coverage. And, and, and the demands, it's... You know, you get less sympathetic when you find out the co-check employees earn $35 an hour. Right. So everyone who worked there made well over minimum wage, which again is $9.48 for an hour for tipped workers and $15.80 an hour for untipped workers. And for people who've never worked in the service industry, this is generally how it works. Your wages are low, so that's the amount your employer actually pays you. Like in North Carolina, the minimum wage for tipped employees is two thirteen an hour. 
That's what it was when I was a server 20 years ago. That's what it is today. But typically, servers... That's insane. I'm sorry. Even with tips, that's completely insane. Two thirteen an hour? Right. But typically, servers and bartenders make quite a bit more money. They're just being paid directly by the customer than rather than the business owner. There are obvious downsides to the systems, like if you have a slow night or sometimes you get stiffed. But a lot of servers and bartenders really prefer this to getting a higher flat rate wage because... To frankly, you make more money on tips than you do making $15 an hour or whatever. Plus, it's easier to commit some minor tax fraud by not reporting cash tips. Yeah, I remember from my pizza delivery days, I think it might have been like they had just changed the rule. So it was like, you need a super promise to report what you make in tips and people just didn't do it. Right. So Seattle went to a $15 minimum wage a few years ago. I think it was one of the first cities in America to do this. It was a big deal. It was considered this big victory by uh, Shama Sawant, who's one of the socialist city council members. And when I would talk to servers and bartenders about it, they typically did not like this because the tip change, the the tip system changed. So sometimes they would end up making less money, even though their wage had increased. Yeah. I mean, you can, right. So you can, it's weird politically that service workers would be against a minimum wage increase, but from their incentives, it makes sense. Right. I mean, if you work at McDonald's and you were making $9 an hour and you're not tipped and all of a sudden you're making $15 an hour, that's a big bump. If you're a bartender yeah. and you were making $9 an hour, now you're making $15 an hour, but you're not getting tips. Yeah. That's not a bump. Okay. So the open letter from the owners continued, quote, in June, the union presented its economic proposals. Proposals. These proposals included raises ranging from an additional $10 an hour to $13 an hour before tips, equating to an overall 58% to 132% increase in wage expenses. The union has also demanded that every Berlin employee represented by the union who works a minimum of one seven-hour shift per week be considered full-time and thus receive free health care coverage and pensions to be paid in full by <laughs> Berlin. <laughs> the point- okay, wait. <laughs> Sorry. That's, yes. So we, they also demanded that uh, the establishment immediately go bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. This point alone would amount to an additional cost to Berlin of $1,600 per employee per month in the first year of the contract. In total, these additional wages, healthcare, and pension benefits would cost Berlin over a half million dollars in the first year of the contract alone. It would be nice to pay the employees. That's it. That's all you get. If you want to hear the whole thing, go to blockedandreported.org to sign up to become a premium subscriber, aka a primo. Either way, I hope you enjoyed the preview.